Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi everyone and welcome to Confessions of a Debut Novelist with me, your host, Chloe Timms. This week, I'm talking to Lindsay May about her contemporary novel, Weak Teeth. Lindsay is an award-winning writer who lives, loves and writes in Edinburgh. Her short fiction has been published in various journals and anthologies, including The Stinging Fly, Gutter, New Writing Scotland and Banshee. In this episode, we discuss why Lindsay wanted to write about teeth, how her inspiration began with just one striking sentence, and why she chose to write an open ending. But first, here's Lindsay with an excerpt from Weak Teeth. Reading in the sleepless wee hours is a torture and a comfort. She discovers that teeth were once considered totems of protection. A handful can be sprinkled, like salt, to create a protective circle. A single tooth can be burned to ward off a witch's curse. Scandinavian warriors of yore rode into battle with a string of baby teeth tied around their thick necks. Teeth are something to fear. Adrian always said she made too much of a fuss about her various fillings and chippings. He thinks teeth are just teeth. The more she reads, the more Ellis feels vindicated. But there's nothing to help her there. And it takes a long time to fall asleep, with teeth on her phone screen and sadness coiled around her insides. She wakes to the chirp of her alarm and wishes she hadn't. Today she has to get back to work. As Travelon's second newest employee, Ellis can't risk another sick day. She hadn't wanted to leave T-Zone and she can't afford to leave Travelon now, even if she wanted to. She'd spent years tinkering with euphemisms for sweat, happily taking activewear samples home for Adrian and contributing to the tea kitty, thinking she was a valuable member of the team. Not valuable enough, obviously. She'd been so comfortable there. Never would have thought they'd choose her as one of the first to go. Stop taking it personally, Adrian said. Or if you really think you're the problem, fix it. Shame to lose the stuff discount on thermal t-shirts, though. No wonder Adrian had been so relaxed about it. He was probably already screwing Sally. She's dreading the office. 
When she first started, redundancy raw and determined to be quietly likeable and efficient, Adrian was one of the few topics of conversation she'd been happy to indulge in. She'd wanted them to know she came verified by another human being. She's not ready to tell them he's withdrawn his vote. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you on with me today to discuss your debut novel, Weak Teeth. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. So, Lindsay, can you start by introducing your novel for us? Tell us what Weak Teeth is about. Of course, I would love to. So, Weak Teeth is a book about Ellis, who's a young woman who discovers that her partner of over 10 years has been cheating on her. He kind of unceremoniously makes it known that he considers their flat his flat and that he's moved on um, without her. So with not like a whole lot of money in her bank account and not very many options, Ellis ends up back at her mom's house. And the breakup kind of exacerbates an already really tense relationship with her sort of forceful younger sister, Lana. Um, and it sets Ellis off on a kind of, let's say, not optimal path. <laughs> and throughout all of this, she's kind of dealing with this toothache that just won't quit. Mm, yeah. And I wondered, I mean, was teeth your starting point? Was the kind of like that theme, the the thing that propelled you to write this? Or was, was the starting point something else? Because I know you um, write short stories. And I wondered whether you had kind of envisioned this always as a novel or had it started life as a short story yeah so great question because this definitely it started a lot of the things that I write start with like either a sentence or an image or like like something quite specific like a little tonal thing basically and then either it grows or it doesn't um and this one started really specifically with the phrase um there were a family of strong bones and weak teeth uh, which did actually make it into the book in the end but the book changed a lot between that that little image and the end um pro like sort of process I did know that it always I did always know they wanted to be a novel um but it did change a lot along the way as well. Uh, it definitely originally had in my mind a more sort of generational family related book. I had the points of view of the mum and the sister were there initially. And then I kind of, it turned into Ellis's story and ended up you know, mainly focused on her and her journey. And even though it's kind of a breakup, like it's a book about a breakup. I think it's more a book about the family really um so that kind of sort of stayed in that part but the teeth were absolutely there from the very very beginning um and it's like the only part of it that was really in any way autobiographical was the, the teeth related part mm, the, the fear of the dentist and the kind of the growing I think we all do it don't we because I mean a lot I mean dentists are horrible whether you are someone who's afraid of it or not and it's that always feeling of, oh, it'll be okay. I'm just going to leave it and hope for the best. And just, you know, that pain can just go into the background. And that's that's very much what mm-hmm. you explore in this novel. And it's funny because I love writing about teeth and they always weirdly crop up in what I write. Something like in your novel, you explore like how they're used in kind of like witchcraft and curse and things like that. And I wondered like, why teeth? <laughs> like, you know, it's just like a strange question to ask. But I was wondering yeah. kind of where that theme came from, because, I mean, 
it's a great it's a great topic there's so many thematic strands of it in the novel but but why teeth <laughs> why teeth so definitely there's definitely like two two parts of it and one was the sort of more straightforward um part where just like having had some like, very nasty experiences with my teeth over the years and like when I was young having some not great experiences with dentists they really you know kind of scarred me a little bit I'd say um I've had a fear of dentists for years um and have not had the best teeth and even though I've like done my best to look after them I still have ended up visiting the dentist quite a lot um and then I was really lucky at one point because I uh, had a job my sort of 20s that had um, insurance attached to it. And I got to see a very lovely dentist who helped me get over the fear of having to deal with problems with your teeth. Um, so there's definitely that sort of autobiographical element, like I've mentioned that, you know, I was like, I can write about something that I'm really scared of and that hopefully will come across, you know, the, the like actual fear will come across in the writing in that, sort of that that write what you know or write what you're mm. really excited about I was like I'm gonna go write what I'm really scared about and and see if that adds that like extra tension so that was definitely part of it and then the other side was definitely along the lines of I mean teeth are just one of those primal like everybody well not everybody most people have them at some point um and we like we're told to look after them we visit the dentist we technically brush them every day um we're like constantly you know we see adverts for toothpaste they're so normal normalized but they're kind of like you know they're, they're like bones they're like parts of your inside that's on the outside and mm -hmm. we lose them um you know we lose a set of them when we're kids and then we get another set when we're adults and it's just really weird <laughs> and i just really wanted to write about how weird it is no, you're right. Actually, reading the book maybe did, did make me think, yeah, that is very odd, which is probably why I'm always attracted to write about um, teeth and, you know, finding teeth. It's the whole, like, tooth fairy thing as well, isn't it? It's like, I remember as a child, um, the day I found out the tooth fairy wasn't real was I was in my mum's bedroom looking for, she kept this really old, like, 80s vintage jewellery, and I was looking for that, opened up this little ceramic pot, and there were my teeth. And I was like... First of all, creepy as hell, but also like mm -hmm. it, it, you know, it was a it was a real moment thinking, oh, okay, the tooth fairy is not real. Mom's just been keeping my teeth, and that <laughs> itself is weird. Like that is there's no going past that. That's just that's just really weird. Um, so yeah, I can see why that's such an appealing topic to write about. My mom had had a little pot with my teeth in it as well, and it it, it was a much disgust that I would open it up and look at them and then put them away it's like you know you're drawn to something that you really dislike I would go yeah. back and look at it and be like oh it's horrible and then put it back in the okay. but I did wonder actually because I saw in another interview that you did where you talked about kind of style and theme and how you were quite you're quite an experimental writer and you're not really quite sure sometimes like where you're going or where you fit in the kind of genre side of it and I wondered, you said this kind of novel changed and started at something somewhere else with this one sentence. Did you kind of explore more kind of weirder, kind of body horror, fantastical kind of stuff when you started this novel? Or had you always thought, OK, I'm writing a contemporary fiction novel? 
Yeah, so this novel, I think, uh, I think I knew that this was probably going to be contemporary and and a sort of, you know, in that kind of sphere from early on, um, especially, well, I guess I did experiment a bit. I did, the, we did have to cut, well, we didn't have to cut, we did choose to cut because there were even more teeth-related facts and weird bits in there before and then got a little bit intense maybe so we did pull back on some of that um but I think I did know that this I knew roughly what genre this this novel would end up in when I started writing or once I got into it a little bit but I definitely have enjoyed sort of playing around with fantasy elements in in other books and tried to experiment in just writing in different styles to see what would suit mm. definitely one of those people like I can't write consecutively or plot beforehand I'm one of those like you just go where you go and then you try and piece it all together at the end which I think doesn't necessarily I mean I might be wrong because I've never experienced it but I don't think that necessarily suits some other genres that are more plot driven um because it's like <laughs> It's like the opposite. <laughs> I'm like working the plot out as I go. Mm. Um, I really like reading in lots of different genres and sort of dabbling. And it makes me feel as though I'm not entirely sure where I am, mm. which one I like most or which one I sit in. But I think it's fun to to experiment and to kind of work out, you know, what I think writing is a mood thing anyway. Like sometimes you yeah. just feel in the mood to write in a particular way. I mean, I'm sure all of us have had moments where they're feeling really angry and you know we end up writing something really violent or you know something like that <laughs> I just it, it is kind of mood dependent um mm. I wanted to go back to the novel and and touch on Ellis and um because obviously she drives the story she's the main character and I wondered kind of on a practical level how did you build her as a character because she feels I mean obviously she's got this whole family around her and the the characters and um, the dynamic of the family is such a, an important part of the novel. But how did you kind of create Ellis and the family around her? Did you um, did you do kind of a lot of note taking or thinking before you started writing? How did that all work? Yeah, so Ellis definitely came about through this sort of she kind of emerged slowly as I wrote you know loads of sort of interconnecting scenes um loads of ones with Lana and her mum and I think quite often I am not starting with a strong idea of a character in mind either I'm starting with a little like glimmer of who someone might be and then they take a little while to reveal themselves and Ellis definitely took a little while to turn into the person that she was so it took quite a lot of drafting I would say to get to the point where I was like, oh, I feel like I actually know her problems and what she wants and where she's going. Um, so yeah, I think it was a slow, a slow emergence rather than a like, I've found a person and now I just need to mm. work out how I'm going to portray them, if that makes sense. Yeah. And what about her family then? Did they come out of kind of writing scenes and and thinking about how Ellis would react, or did they? I mean, Lana particularly is a, a really vital part of the story and, and and Ellis's life did you feel like you had to do kind of separate work on them to build them or did they just kind of come from working on Ellis's character yeah I think they they definitely all came like they definitely kind of grew grew together and in opposition 
to each other as well if that if that makes sense where it's a kind of um like they were playing off each other in a way that I was like no I see how this dynamic is is working or not working Mm -hmm. and I think because at the heart the book is really um about the kind of the ways that you can get stuck in situations or your family or your circumstances or your life or the whatever has been dealt to you so it can mold who you are even accidentally um so Ellis is very much molded by her position in the family um and the fact that Lana's got quite a forceful um personality and maybe she's kind of edged Ellis out a little bit or or pushed Ellis inwards um in a way that in a different family setting she might have been a different person so in kind of wanting to explore that it definitely helped sort of give backbone to the characters when I was trying to build them because I was thinking mm-hmm. about how they were, were interplaying and, and how the dynamic had changed as they'd grown up together yeah this Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. And one thing I thought you did really well was your kind of descriptions of, of people and, and certain images in the novel. I, I, one example that I highlighted, which I really enjoyed, was um, you described a woman's hair like the short bristled brush Ellis's grandmother kept hanging with a dustpan on the back of a cupboard door. And I just thought it was just so vivid. I could just picture that hair so strongly. And I wondered whether that kind of imagery and, and metaphorical writing comes kind of easily to you or is that something you have to work at? Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Um, that makes me very happy. Uh, I think that, yes, I think it does come 
rel- relatively easily in the first instance in the often definitely in the first draft when I'm still feeling my way to, to what a book is going to be or even if it's going to turn into a book if it's just going to be a, a dabble or a short story or something it's it's these little descriptions or turns of phrases that come first and that I enjoy and then later it's the kind of trying to find the way to build a whole world well whole world around them basically so they come more easily to me than the some of the bits that could be technically easier like constructing just just a chapter that flows um but also saying that saying that they come easily i have been known to really torture a metaphor and sometimes they have to be just put put down <laughs> so. we, all, we all do it so yeah i, <laughs> I wanted to touch on the ending as carefully as possible without spoilers um and I think what one thing I really liked about the ending was that it's left in a way that we feel like there's there's more story to come, but there's things that are tied up, but there are certain aspects of the storyline that are we're just left to, to kind of we're left to kind of think about and think okay what what do we think will have will happen next and I love that in the ending I just think it gives you gives the reader so much to take away like you feel satisfied but you also feel like there's there's more there that the story lives on beyond the pages and I wondered kind of how working out the ending was for you whether it was a deliberate choice to kind of leave it like this kind of open ending or um whether you'd kind of toyed with a more Adita ending I suppose mm-hmm. yes definitely definitely a, a choice and something that I really really enjoy in books is that exact sort of thing that you're describing where when the book finishes you don't necessarily have a definitive answer to all of your questions and then it leaves you free to kind of as a reader enjoy perhaps thinking about what might happen what could happen what you would like to happen and um, so definitely something that I chose and worked towards um I find it almost more difficult to write those kinds of endings and have them be satisfying because I know a lot of people very much enjoy having a like the book is closed we're done we we have everything tied up neatly so as you were saying it's like trying to find a way to satisfy that desire while also like indulging my own desire to like uh-huh. leave a little bit of space for for interpretation I suppose mm. yeah it's a difficult balance and and I try to do that as well and it is hard and I, I think you you can't please every reader there's some readers that do want everything tied up neatly which like you said is is perfectly fine and I've certainly read books myself where I haven't felt satisfied by the ending and I've wanted more so it's really Mm -hmm. difficult like balance between how much you give away and how much you hold back but I think when you're telling a kind of story like yours where it's like a a family kind of domestic story almost that you know most families don't have that kind of moment where everything's happy and tied up and satisfied you know there's always ongoing problems and issues in families so I think it reflects that well um I'd love to go back in time and talk about where your writing journey began like how you got into writing have you always written have you always wanted to write a novel tell us a little bit about your writing background yeah amazing so yes I have definitely always always wanted to write I remember being very young 
as as I think many writers do, and uh, having that first little like A4 paper stapled together, I've done a book moment. Um, definitely had that. My grandma, um, Alison Darkle, was a writer, so she was a big inspiration, and I had very um, bookish and quite arty family. So that had you know definitely from a young age thought this is what I really like, and then kind of there was high school, university. And I was like, mm, not seeing a way to be writing, making money. Um, the, the idea that it was possible had kind of gone away for me. Um, and then in my like mid-20s, I went back to uni and did a one-year um, MSc, which in some ways I think I wasn't actually ready for, even though I was already in my mid-20s at that point. I don't, I don't know that I had the right um I don't know skills is the right word but I don't know if I was ready in my like writing journey or thoughts about writing to be having that experience but I did and then I didn't write for a little bit afterwards because it I think sometimes it kind of it's not that it put me off but it certainly set me back maybe for a little while um as often happens when you're studying something that you really like you forget that you actually like it <laughs> so that happened and then it, it, from there is like a really a really long journey of um writing books and trying to get them published and trying to find people that that enjoyed them and uh, it took quite a while to to end up with with weak teeth um and the publication mm. so have you written like a lot of other full novels or had you kind of started things and given them up definitely a combination of both (laughs) definitely (laughs) definitely a few that just never quite made it past that like magic point where it's it's just a bunch of words and then maybe it's a novel but I have completed several other books that um you know were of a of a sort of the only word I can think of is completed like they were like done um beforehand and you were the recipient of the Scottish Book Trust New Writers Award. And I was wondering kind of how that changed your writing journey. It was really lovely. And it came at a time where I really needed uh, that little vote of confidence, which was perfect. It wasn't the first time that I applied for it. I applied and was rejected several times, several years um, before getting one. So that was a lesson in itself to just keep persevering. And it definitely helped to give me that little boost as as any sort of a big advocate for any prizes or journals or anything that you can submit to when you're trying to have a book published, because it can be quite a difficult and a long process for many people. Like sometimes any little burst of um, encouragement could be really, really valuable. And I definitely found that with them and the Scottish Book Trust are a lovely, lovely bunch. So lovely that several years later they had a vacancy in their writing communities team. Um and now I work for them two days a week. So they just couldn't yeah. get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> so so what does that job involve? Is it working with other creatives or kind of um is it a kind of teaching job? What what does it involve? Yeah, so I have a background in uh, copywriting and the rest of the time I freelance as a copywriter and online sort of content creator. Um, And 
my role in the team is to sort of support their, they have various programs that work with writers at various stages of their careers. Um, and I support with their online presence, basically. So commissioning blogs and doing the newsletters and things like that, which is a lovely, lovely yeah, nice, nice, definitely. Nice to be involved kind of in, in that environment. Um, so I think even if you, you know, even if you're not writing, it's nice to be in a kind of creative bubble like that. I was wondering when it comes to kind of your of your writing of this book, what was the most challenging aspect of it? Well, part part of the most challenging aspect for me, but I think for a lot of people, and certainly something that comes back for me a lot is the idea that like writing, you have to put quite a lot of faith in what you're doing because it can be a massive, massive project that takes a long, long time. Um, but it can be hard to keep the confidence up, whether you're, you know, waiting to be published or hoping to be published or then working on your next book. It just requires so much uh, faith to keep going. And this book particularly, because I had chosen teeth and I was like, this is quite a marmite. Like this is either going to work for me or people are going to be like, no. Um, luckily mainly it seems to have worked although some people are put off which I completely understand having a fear of dentists myself um so there was a definite point relatively early on where I was like am I doing the right thing should I should I try and write something safer um or you know should I give this up and see if I can find a different angle um and then just decided to persevere and hope that the fact that it freaked me out it would touch a chord with other people <laughs> so can you tell us kind of how you came to get your book deal in and and it sounds like it's been kind of quite a long journey to get there but I'd love if you could kind of tell us the kind of steps involved to, to get in the deal yeah absolutely so the um, main the main thing was finding finding my agent and it took a while as it often does um to and it was with weak teeth that I managed to find her. Um, and I knew I knew initially that I really wanted her because uh we you know, you know, they list the books that they like on their pages. And I was like, oh, I like so many books that she likes. This is I really hope that this this works out. Um and then it did, and that was that was fantastic. Um and then we worked quite uh she's got a strong editorial eye which was great because I really enjoy the editing process um and also I trusted her uh like insights mm. and takes so we did quite a lot of the editing before before taking it to to submissions which meant I did the book was already in very much its sort of final state when when we sold when we sold it yeah and so um once your book was sold, um, you're with a an indie publisher based in Edinburgh, Polygon. Um, yeah. How much work did you do with them, um, and like editorially? Once I know you said the book was in a good shape. Um, how long did you kind of spend, kind of polishing it and and making it ready to go out into the world? You know, I feel like I have blocked out how long it took. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it didn't it didn't take too too long I had a lovely Alice, uh, uh, editor there Alison Ray who was great and um she you know we did some 
the usual sort of back and forth on style stylistically do we want this do we want that um how are we gonna polish this up um changing a few of my idiosyncratic um, habits into a little bit more house style here and there but it was a relatively painless process and because it was the first time I'd had quite that experience it was mm. it was good I think it definitely helps having that background in in copywriting where I'd had a lot of I've worked with a lot of clients who've te- you know I've written something and they've just ripped it to shreds so I feel like I have a quite a thick skin when it comes to edits and changes that you know normally normally not too too traumatic yeah I I, I'm the same as you I enjoy the editing process and I think you do have to be slightly resilient but at the end of the day everyone wants the best for your book and that's what you've got to try and keep in mind so I was wondering whether obviously you've experienced being a debut for a while now um and I wondered what your advice would be to next year's cohort of debut authors and whether you had um something you wish you'd known before you started the process kind of um a way to cope with the ups and downs or something that you think oh if I could pass this one bit of advice on this is what it would be yeah I think there wasn't a one thing that I think that I wish that I had known but part of that is because I've had a really long long journey to get here and that and part of that journey has been making friends with loads of writers at loads of different stages of their career. So a lot of aspiring writers and a lot of hopeful writers, a lot of published writers. So I'd ended up hearing a lot about the publishing process, a little bit seeing a lot from, you know, what goes on behind the curtain um, beforehand, which was really helpful for me in like managing expectations or having an idea of how things might work out Mm. and it also really showed me and has shown me over the years how different everyone's journey can be like even two writers even if they had the exact same agent and they were at the same publishing house they still could have a very different experience of publication and you just can't um, make those direct comparisons and if you have only a small data pool to draw from, you might, you know, go in and have your expectations confounded in a good or bad way, mm. I guess. But my, so my advice is definitely just to talk to as many people as you can and gather as much information as you can. Listen to podcasts like this, like <laughs> find, find people online that are in similar situations and just chat and, and remember that everybody's journey is going to be a little bit different mm. it, it is hard because you're always going to meet people that are going to be probably more successful than you less successful than you or someone that's had a great time someone that's had a bad time um and it, I think as well it, it's difficult because this is why I think making friends um is so important making writer friends and people who are maybe one stage ahead of you or one stage behind you because the publishing industry is weird and opaque and confusing sometimes and it's really helpful just to be able to say to someone is this normal um you know am am I doing the right thing or whatever it is um so I think yeah having having that kind of having those contacts and being able to ask those questions without fear of looking stupid or you know being embarrassed to ask the questions if you don't feel comfortable asking your agent or your editor but 
yeah you're right friends community is just so important and and also thanks for the plug Lindsay everyone should be listening to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) so finally Lindsay can you give us a little bit of a tease about what you're working on next I can although I'm one of those really annoying people that that can't um, reveal too much until they're really far through the process (laughs) Um, as I was uh, saying earlier I tend to take a while to find my way into a book so it can change drastically but it's definitely going to be set in Scotland and it will probably be it'll be another contemporary piece of fiction right <laughs> and the rest that's it it's gonna be a bit. do you think do you think teeth might appear again at some point I think it I'll be hard pushed not to mention teeth <laughs> because I was definitely writing about them already, but also post-publication, as I prepare myself for, everybody has a terrible story to tell me about their teeth. So yeah. I, have, mm. I have like gathered a lot of extra information. You, you're probably going to have endless stories now about people's teeth or dentist experiences. Just yeah. exactly what you want when you want to recover from a fear of dentists, but there we go. <laughs> Exactly. Lindsay, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been forever. That was Lindsay May talking about her contemporary novel, Weak Teeth, which is out now and available to buy. And if you'd like to support this podcast, debut authors and independent bookshops, you can now shop in the Confessions of a Debut Novelist bookshop hosted by bookshop.org, which I've linked down below in the show notes. If you fancy buying any of the books you've heard on this podcast, then the majority of them can be found in this bookshop. And if you can, I would really appreciate you supporting me, supporting the authors and independent bookshops by buying them through this online store. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Or if you've subscribed already, it would be great if you could leave me a review. See you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.